Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. We are so excited to have Brady McDonald, founder of jewelry brand Short and Sweet, on our podcast today. Before launching Short and Sweet, Brady worked at Valentino, Narciso Rodriguez, Brock Collection, and Haney in Wholesale. And Short and Sweet has been featured in Marie Claire, Forbes, The Zoe Report, Vogue, and was included in Oprah's Favorite Things, which <laughs> was absolutely huge. Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited. Do you want to? We are so excited. We're so excited that we met you that day during I'm Fashion so, Week. I know. It was such a great day. I remember we sat and we just talked for an hour and then it was like, oh, do you want to see some product? Right, (laughs) right. We met at a market appointment during fashion week, which is when with Reedy working in wholesale, this is where I started my career as well. At Versace, it's when you go, the buyers or press people like that, go to see the collection to choose what they're going to purchase to sell in the store six months later. So Reedy... Some of our audience are going to be entrepreneurs. Some of them are definitely, mm-hmm. active, some are not. So keep that in mind when you answer this question, since the style that binds us is all about pulling back the curtain to the fashion industry and kind of talking through the nuts and bolts. So do you want to walk oh, us yeah. through your career path? Yeah. So I was never the fashion girl in high school, in college. I went to the University of Vermont. I was kind of a hippie. (laughs) Um, I didn't think I would ever work in fashion. But after college, I started working for this startup called Cobra Society. And it was this luxury boot company. It was based in L.A. And it was all these... um, Moroccan boots. So it was the Spanish leather and this handcrafted, um, beautiful boot. They retailed for $1,200. They were, you know, from Spain, amazing fabrications. I was able to travel with the designer um, and help her with design. And just, it was just the two of us. And I, from there, just completely fell in love with fabrics, textiles, Mm -hmm. beauty, creating something. And I was hooked. So after that internship, it turned into a job. I became her assistant. We moved to New York together. And I was still kind of testing everything. As an assistant, it's really cool because you, especially for a startup, because you can be in sales, you can be in marketing, you can be in design and you kind of start to understand there's a lot of different roles in fashion that you can go into. After I worked for her, I just kind of thought about every single fashion brand that I loved. And one of them was Missoni. And so I, you know, did everything possible to try and get an interview at Missoni. I ended up getting an interview at M Missoni, which was the diffusion brand. And it was owned Mm -hmm. by Valentino fashion group. So I went in there, all they had was an internship, but I took it and I was like, I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to do everything I can. Um, And one day I want to work in ready to wear for Valentino. And so I started at Missoni. I was an intern. I did everything possible to get noticed. I stayed late. I always had a smile on my face. I was super positive. And I interned for about six months. And then I got an assistant job. And then I got a uh, sort of like an assistant account executive job. And then I kept moving up. I kept moving up. And then finally, um, Valentino uh, asked me to run their sales with my counterpart, Roberto. So I did all of their ready to wear sales for the U S. Wow. Yeah. Starting as a little intern and then just, that's a great, yeah. I, I really believe that you, when you start your job, wherever it is, even if it's an internship, your opportunities are endless and you mm-hmm. just have to work hard and you have to stay positive and you have to be kind and you have to go above and beyond and you just keep going every day and you will succeed. Great advice. It yeah. is, especially since you were willing to take an internship. Some people are so adamant that it must be a paying job. Oh, yeah. And fashion is really hard. It's not like they're paying you a lot. 
Right. Right. So you can't go in and just expect, you know, you're going to be at the top <laughs> right away. It doesn't work like that. Right. And you have to be okay with really putting in the time and the work and, you know, really going through it because it's a long process until you get to kind of where you think you want to be right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so from Valentino, I learned a lot. I had the best team there. I loved it. Um, and then I wanted to move to California because um, my family is based in San Francisco. And so I asked them if I could move and they said, okay. And so instead of being full-time, I started consulting for them. And so I was consulting for them. And then I also added in Narciso Rodriguez and a couple other brands and sort of started this consulting business. Um, and I was doing a presentation for Narciso Rodriguez actually at Barney's. And the store manager there in Los Angeles, and I was really mm-hmm. close with the store manager there. And she, after the presentation, was like, that was a great presentation, but I actually have this brand that I think that you should work for. And I was like, well, what's the brand? And she was like, it's this brand called Brock Collection. They're really new. They're just with us, just in Barney's in LA, but people are really liking it. And I think you would love the founders. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And I met Chris and Laura Brock and Mm -hmm. immediately it was like love at first sight. We just connected and then I took over their wholesale business um, and helped them build their brand. And then uh, when I got there, it was, uh, we were just in Barney's and Mm -hmm. Aubrey's small boutique in Newport. Uh And then I helped them get into Neiman Marcus and Saks and 50 mm-hmm. boutiques around the country. And I don't know, I love sales. I love luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about my career path is that I loved everything luxury, but it was so limited. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of people that could actually experience right. luxury in the luxury world. And I wanted to be a part of something always that took that luxury that was a little bit more affordable and accessible. So that's how, as I was in luxury for my whole career, mm-hmm. that was always in the back of my mind for when maybe I mm-hmm. want to start something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because when Dale was at Barney's and I was doing what I do, you know, to this day, working with women in their closets, I had to explain to her that most people, and it doesn't matter how much money they have, really. Not all people want to pay that kind of money for things. And, um, you know, you have to, you need to, to, I think so much about designers when they're designing for these few people, kind of, you know, they know that most of their friends, certainly I've had designers say, I mean, I could never afford my things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand why you would want to, you know, find a way to have beautiful quality things that just more people could, could be excited about. Yeah. The luxury world is almost like a dream world. Right. You know, So yeah, you want to be able to, you know, see these textiles and these fabrications and you want everyone to be able to be a part mm-hmm. of this sort of dream world, but it's just right. not as accessible. Exactly. After you decided to launch Short and Sweet, how did you go about making that dream into a reality and how long did it take? So once I left Brock, I started consulting again for different brands. And I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to start something. For years, it was always, I I want to start my own company, but I never knew what it was going to be. Uh Um, And when I was consulting for Haney and a few other brands, I got the idea for Short and Sweet. Mm, Um, And so I was working on it on the side. I didn't quit any of my consulting jobs. Right. Um, Because I wanted to make sure I was doing this, you know, slowly and thoughtfully. Uh, But once it got to be 
you know, something major where I was like, this could be something, then mm -hmm. I, I left the consulting jobs because it wasn't fair um, to be doing both at once. But I always knew I wanted to start something and I just knew it's a long process to start something. So you just have to be really mindful and thoughtful and um, not go crazy right away. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to start this brand. Let me just quit my jobs and just go. Right. Like it takes a very long time to have the idea and then actually have the product and, you know, launch the brand. So you have to be really mindful about how you do that and thoughtful. Right. How did you learn all of this? Like, how did you learn to start and run and grow a business? Well, I think my background has really helped me in terms of the business side because I've worked for startups and I've worked for, you know, Valentino and I've worked for these amazing brands where I've really learned how to build a business from the ground up. Brock especially taught me sure. how to really do that and how to take a product and bring it to life and, you know, take it from the start to the finish. So I feel like my background in wholesale and in sales has been extremely helpful in terms of launching my own brand. Um, and then, you know, you go back to when I was at Cobra Society, the boot company, and that's where I fell in love with design. I just didn't really realize it yet. Right. So it was marrying the two that really helped me be able to launch my own brand. You know, one thing that we've heard over and over again, um, and I know it helped Delia is, um, working somewhere else first, learning on their dime, basically learning all the things you learned helped you, you know, to be able to do this. If you had started out straight from college, when you decided you had this idea, it probably would have been, you would have made a lot more mistakes, right? Oh yeah. I always say you have to be trained. You have to go through the ringer. Mm -hmm. You have to have extremely hard bosses that, you kind of hate at the time, but now right. I look back on them and I'm like, I would never be where I am today if I hadn't, mm -hmm. you know, my CEO yeah. at Valentino, the most intelligent woman I know, um, but she was tough. She mm -hmm. was tough. And I had to, I wasn't the best when I started at, you know, the analytics mm -hmm. side and reporting and mm -hmm. my counterpart, Roberto, was amazing at it. And it just came naturally to him. But I had to get into the office at 6 a.m. and work until 11 p.m. and get the mm -hmm. reports done and look them over and, you know, present them to her. And then they would be wrong sometimes. And it was you know, I'd cry in the bathroom. <laughs> right. I'm so glad you're telling that story, though, because I think I don't know that people put in those hours so much anymore, you know, and it, you know, it's like, how can we find a shortcut? Well, it's not always good to take shortcuts. It's not always good to find the quickest, easiest way through. It's really not. And I find now that I really connect with people and I can tell if somebody has had that training. I can mm -hmm. feel it when I work with them. There's a different sense of urgency and, you know, being really on top of things that come from having mm -hmm. that experience. So that experience, anyone that is having a hard time and it's, you know, yes, it's hard, but it, it really does pay off later. It really does. Thank you for saying that. I very much think that too. So we've touched on this a little bit, but what experiences and knowledge did you take from your fashion career and apply to your business? So I think that the best thing that I've learned is customer service. Yes. And really knowing how to, in luxury, customer service is extremely important. And yes learning how to sell luxury. I was selling $30,000 gowns at Valentino. Mm -hmm. So you really need to, you know, sort of learn how to sell. And that has been something that's, you know, extremely important, especially for my brand, because I always want the customer to feel like it is 
it's it's like Valentino. It's luxury. You know, you are the most important. You're the most beautiful. I always want you to be happy. And so that really has helped me in my brand, my business. Yes, I feel like that's your personality too. You <laughs> want to be happy. <laughs> I really just want everybody to love this jewelry and mm-hmm. wear it and feel beautiful and wear it with sweatpants and wear it, you know, to a fancy party when we can. Mm-hmm. And I also, if the customer doesn't love it, it's like, then it's not for you. Let's return it. Maybe you'll like this, but mm-hmm. it, it's all about making you feel good and feel beautiful. Right. There's a generosity behind your brand. I feel like, okay, how did you choose the name? Um, so I just wanted something different. I felt like every jewelry brand was named after a person mm. and I couldn't find a truly branded brand. Um, I love travel. Travel's always an inspiration to me. I traveled so much for fashion week. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Paris. I was in Milan for mm-hmm. Valentino and for Brock. And I would stay at sort of these luxurious hotel suites. And, you know, I, I loved it. And yes. so I always was like, how can I mix jewelry and fashion with travel and sort of brand that? And then the short part, I was, I'm always all about like keeping things short and sweet. (laughs) So it's like wearing something beautiful um, that's not too serious, but is a statement. And so I wanted the name in the beginning to be room service. I thought that was the name, but it was taken. Oh, shoot. Um, Yeah. So I just kept sort of thinking and, you know, it takes a really long time to figure out a name. It really, like, really does. Yeah. And then you're just on a walk and all of a sudden you're like, short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes to you. Yeah. And then you go through the trademark process and they're oh like, no, my else is already using that. <laughs> exactly. The trademark process is so oh, long. We know. We know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it's a wonderful name. I love oh, it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. I love it. I love it. And it, the answer usually comes when you least expect it so everyone remember to give yourself time to think and live and then it will just come yeah I feel like I had so much pressure because on myself where I was like okay I know what I want the jewelry to look like I know the branding I know all these things what's the name and I'd be you know walking around I'd be like tree bush (laughs) (laughs) it's like you get so in your head about Right. What What's the name? But once you relax and just sort of yes. let it go, it just comes to you. Yes, it does build up when you're thinking this. I can't go back on it once I've decided on it because, you know, yeah. five years in, you can't say, OK, I've changed the name. I mean, you can, but it doesn't doesn't, you know, it's very complicated. It doesn't work so well. Exactly. So when you were creating your brand, what are some things that you were thinking about with creating an affordable luxury jewelry company? I'm always thinking about making things for every woman. Mm -hmm. So I wanted it to feel special, but approachable. So I wanted it to be something unique. Um, And, you know, I felt like in the jewelry space, I couldn't find anything that looked beautiful and looked expensive, but was affordable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to create something that, you know, you can wear out and about and feel good. And then you can wear, you know, for cocktails and feel good. So it was just all about, you know, creating something that really was inviting. Right. Exactly. Well, you definitely, definitely did that. It's, I just love so much just pulling the pieces out 
when I'm with a client and it's, you just, their faces just light up. It's oh, like, I love that. Like a treasure box. They're just like, Oh, let me try that one. Oh, I want to see what this was like. How do you wear this one? It's just so much fun. It really is. It really oh, is. A- hearing that it's like, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I love, I love. I mean, that. I haven't shown them to anyone that said, Oh no, not for me. <laughs> you know, one person. So that's really been fun. Um, let's see. How did you choose the price point? I feel like that's a hard thing to do. So I actually thought about the price point so much because Mm -hmm. I wanted it to feel like you were treating yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. But not completely breaking, breaking the bank. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely not completely entry level. Right. But it's not, you know, way too high end. But when you buy it, it's a special buy. You can receive it as a gift. It's a nice gift. Or you buy it yourself and you're really, you know, treating yourself to something amazing and beautiful. And you don't necessarily feel bad about it because it's a good quality product. It makes you Mm -hmm. feel good. And it's sort of that sweet spot in pricing. It really is because, you know, like a lot of times with my clients, I'm not the one that helps them pick out fine jewelry too, too often. Because, you know, we're putting together a wardrobe. And mm-hmm. so then to bring in a $10,000 piece, you know, well, I don't want to spend $10,000 on a gold necklace right now. So, you know, something like that. But this is an option that is still, uh, you know, it is doable as part of this building this beautiful wardrobe. It's a very special piece. And like you said, it can be worn with something casual or something dressy, which I really love to everything I try and get for my clients. You know, you can wear it with this, you can wear it this way, you can pull it together with this. And, um, and it's, it's still a special thing, a special gift, like you said, but it's, it's not like a whole different conversation when I'm working with my clients. So Love that. I really appreciate it. And you mentioned invitation before. It's an invitation both because it's an accessible price point, but when you're wearing the pieces, I feel like it is an invitation for community, new friendships, and conversations because someone's going to come up to you and be like, okay, what are you wearing? And then you Mm -hmm. become friends and you get to tell them about the brand. Mm-hmm. Completely. I feel like, especially whenever I wear the sweet 22 long earrings, mm-hmm. everyone is like, I mean, I get stopped when I'm on my walks. Same. I'm wearing my face mask and I'm wearing my workout gear and then I'm wearing my earrings because I'm like, oh, absolutely. I'm going to be pretty today. Okay. I'm going to put oh, it's totally, <laughs> Absolutely the same thing. And people, want to talk about jewelry and pretty things and especially right now and they're sparkly they're shiny they're mm-hmm. you know they're they and they also the earrings when they're around your face they they bring warmth and light to your face i feel like oh yeah i really do so and the other thing i wanted to say too is so many people are making little tiny 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 jewelry this is delicate jewelry that you're making but it's so tiny that for some people it doesn't even show up and so your pieces for someone tall and dark or dealing with long hair, you know, they're super lightweight, but they still show up. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing too, because um, you, you know, you, you adorn yourself so that it elevates your look in some way for the most part. Absolutely. I love the, you know, the trend of the dainty jewelry. Mm-hmm. I think it's very cute, but I've always loved you know, colors and stones and um, pieces that really are a little bit more statement. But what I like about short and sweet is it's a statement piece, but it's not too in your face. It's sort of this subtle beauty. Very much. um, I think is, you know, kind of different with what's been going on with the trends. I think it is different. It is. It is a little different. It definitely. And that's hard to do to find something different. Um, let's see. Oh, do you? It's your turn. I think that the key is that your pieces are so light. That is very Mm -hmm. important because you can make a statement, but you're not going to be, 
screaming by the end of, of the night. So let's talk about what are the ins and outs of getting press? Is it better for sales, brand awareness, both, neither? <laughs> What's happening? So if I had to pick one, it's brand awareness. Yeah. Uh, this was a really hard lesson for me in the beginning because I thought press equaled sales immediately. Yep. Correct. Um, what press is amazing for is spreading awareness for your brand and getting people to look at you. Right. So, you know, you're not going to get an amazing press hit. And all of a sudden that day you have hundreds of sales. It just doesn't work like that. Right. Um, press is more of the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps people see you. It helps people look at you and it helps sort of, you know, get your name just out there a little bit. Um, it also, i found helps you understand your customer a little bit more because you're sending out some gifting, you're getting some press and mm-hmm. you thought your customer was, you know, a older, younger, you didn't know who your mm-hmm. demographic was. And all of a sudden, you mm-hmm. know, a younger girl is wearing your jewelry and you're like, Oh, okay. So I could also fit into this market too. So Mm -hmm. I think press is really good for awareness and just your overall who your girl is and understanding Mm -hmm. your brand. Um, Another thing press really helps with are retailers and it sort of levels you up and puts you in a position where um, retailers will connect with you because you've been featured in Vogue or um, in the Oprah's favorite things issue where they will, you know, want to connect with you and chat with you and talk about your brand a little bit more and they'll Mm -hmm. give you more of a shot. They're more inclined to give you a shot because, you know, you have that press behind you, but press isn't going to give you right away the sales. I think that's the biggest lesson anyone that uses PR, you know, you have to really be patient because it's a very long game. Oh yeah. You were saying different magazines are going to speak to different retailers. Mm -hmm. So maybe Vogue speaks to Moda Operandi and Mm -hmm. Net-A-Porte. Right. You know, I think that you find different customers within the publications um, and the readership behind each publication. And, you know, Vogue girl isn't necessarily going to be shopping, you know, at I don't know where she's Vogue girl is shopping on Net-A-Porte. And then maybe the Oprah mag, she's shopping at Nordstrom. It's like you're finding different customers within wherever you are getting your press. Right. Yeah. And someone coming from wholesale, how did you know how to go about that? Did you know editors before? Um, Yes. So I connected with a lot of editors during the fashion weeks and during the markets. So I would meet them in sales. You're not really connected to the press side, but anytime there was a walkthrough, I'd always introduce myself and chat with people. Um, I also work with Beverly Bond. My publicist, Mallory, is amazing. Okay. So you Uh, think finding a PR, a publicist, a PR company could be a good idea for young brands? As long as it's a good match and you feel really good about it. You know, it's, you have to remember when you start your brand, it's like your baby. Right. Right. And so you just want to remember that you have a lot of emotion behind your brand. You have your ego, you have your stuff and that's natural. And so anybody that you let in, um, that's, you know, supporting you and helping you and working with you, you just really want to make sure it's the right connection and the right fit. Mm -hmm. or else um, it's not going to be a good match. So I luckily found Mallory and was connected to her and we became really close and all design Mm -hmm. stuff. I always chat with her about, and we've been able to kind of build this synergy between the sales and the design and the press. So I think it's important if you do go that route to just find somebody that is, you know, a good match 
for you? I've been told that it takes at least six months to really start seeing anything from the PR team. And you just, you know, you need to be patient and let that happen. Yeah. You also need to trust that everyone's doing their job. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know about press. That's not my skill set. That's not where I've come from. And so you have to trust who is working for you and know that Mm -hmm. they're doing their job and they're doing the best that they can do. And, you know, it's, it's hard, but it's really rewarding. And it's also think about all of the new brands that come out. Right. The thing is, an entrepreneur, you can decide, okay, am I going to pay someone who has the expertise, like hiring a PR company, Mm -hmm. or am I going to spend the time researching and doing it myself? So you just need to weigh and make the best decision for your brand at that time. Yes. And I knew that I always wanted to be a wholesale brand because that's my background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I knew everything it took to get into a store. So I knew that, you know, the press was going to help me get into the store and it just gave me that extra little level up. So, right, right, right. Oh, I had that in mind. And the way that you found your person, how did you, how did you go about that? I reached out to all of the huge PR firms that mm-hmm. were crazy expensive. And I just mm-hmm. talked to everybody that I could. And then from there, a lot of them were like, oh, well, I know this more boutique PR agency or this startup or, you know, people want to help each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a way. I think it's good to just start calling people and start emailing. And if you've seen an agency or you've seen a publicist, just email them. You'd be Mm -hmm. surprised how many people don't just pick up the phone and call or email. Okay. That's great advice. It is. And I think it's great. This is what I would recommend as well. Like it's not wasting time. It's better to just talk to a lot of different people. You need to get a lot of different opinions, the big, the small, everything in between, just so that you have the knowledge. Oh yeah. The more information and people that you can talk to, the better. The thing about at Barney's, it was much less about if brands were coming in being like, we've been featured in this editorial, this publication on this celebrity. That really wasn't a factor for us. It was more like, for example, Maureen Sarah, when she whoever's winning like the LVMH award or those young designer awards. So so it is interesting how every single retailer is going to want different, be looking for different things. Of course, Barney's doesn't exist anymore, but, but yeah. And I think it's important. You're not going to fit in with every retailer. Oh yeah. You know, it's not like everybody's approaching you and you should go into all of the stores. You really need to find out. Yeah. You need to find what works for you and who your customer is and build the relationship with that retailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a smart idea. And I love, we're going to talk a minute about what, where you're going to be found. And I'm excited about, super excited about where those places are. But in the meantime, I want to talk about some challenges that you faced and how you overcame them. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of challenges <laughs> when you start <laughs> a business. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. There, the, I would say the hardest part is just the, high highs and the low lows. Mm -hmm. So your high high is amazing. And, you know, you get a great sale and you're, you're kind of in it with your brand. And then all of a sudden something happens or you don't get sales for a week or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's just such a roller coaster. Um, And I personally, I'm like, I'm going to cry. Right. And I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> um, and you just have to have really good people around you that are supporting you and sort of loving you up and making sure you're okay. And, you know, being there for you. And you also have to really connect with other founders that have been where you are. Mm-hmm. Cause I find I just put so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm still 10 months in. It's not like, right. 
well, look how much you've done. I mean, I know 10 months in, that's 10 months since the product has been in your hands, right? Right. So you've worked on it, you know, longer than that. But I mean, it's still just such a short time. What you've done is just so impressive. Oh, thank um, you. Absolutely. And I've, I have found over and over again to the point where now I really do trust it that especially if it's meant to be, I feel like um, when things start to be really bleak, that's always when something exciting is about to happen. It sort of keeps you in the game. You know, you're like, I'm just, this is too much. This is too emotional. This is too hard. Uh And then you get an email and you're like, what? Yes. This is fabulous. And then you're back in the game, right? Exactly. I think you just, you just have to keep going. Right. That's it. It's like, you have to power through. You have to keep it moving. You have to start each day. It's a new day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just have to stay po- as, as positive as you can. Right. Right, right, right. Totally agree. So what has your experience been building the brand? I feel like 10 months during COVID, that's either like 10 days or 10 years. or <laughs> Time is so weird right now. I know. What day is it? I don't know. I literally don't know. (laughs) Um, It's been really fun. I mean, it's been a roller coaster like I keep talking about because let's keep it real. It's difficult, but, you know, it's wonderful. It's such an amazing brand for me and I feel so connected to it. And, you know, I'm just making beautiful things for people to feel good in. I keep that in mind and I keep going and you keep it moving, but it's Mm -hmm. been challenging, but extremely rewarding. What is your approach to wholesale versus direct to consumer for your business? I think when you start your business, you have to decide which route you're going to take. You know, you have to have both. I firmly believe, but you want to decide, do I want to be more of a direct to consumer business or do I want to be more wholesale. I, of course, chose the wholesale route because my background is sales. I'm like, I'm going to use my skill set and, you know, go for it with the retailers. And I am aware of, you know, how the buying process works and Mm -hmm. all the ins and outs of that. So I am in front of that. Um, With COVID, I had to shift. And so I had to Um. pivot and you know, really learn about being a D to C brand, which is really difficult. I, that's not my background. And I just had to sort of figure it out. And I think if you do decide to do more of a D to C route, you really have to allocate a lot of funds for digital marketing, because that is extremely important to become a successful direct to consumer brand. That was the question that I was going to ask you. Do you do your own social media? I mean, so many people are trying so hard, working so hard, building their brand, and then they have to keep remembering, you know, to post and all these different, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and all these different things. Do you, how do you feel about social media as a part of your brand? I think social media is very important. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the same where you're not getting, you know, a million follows and the verification and the whole thing behind it. I don't think the followers matter, but people are always looking. Uh You need to make sure that your social media is clean and beautiful and well-branded, but you don't, need to worry about, oh, I only have 500 followers or whoever, you know, however many you have. Think about how many brands you actually follow. I personally don't follow a crazy amount of brands. Exactly. So for you to, whenever I get new followers, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's just, that's a different game, but you always have to think that your brand is a billion dollar brand. I always think about my brand in this way. Like, I know I'm new, but I'm thinking like I am a billion dollar brand and everyone's looking at me. The world's looking at me. Um, Cause I think that's really important. I think that's important too. So do you do your social or do you have someone that you work with? I do my social. 
Okay. Uh, so many people do. Um, do you find, I mean, hopefully, you know, the goal is for it to be creative for all of us, but sometimes it's really stressful. I find, do you find that social media is so hard? How much anxiety do you get before you post something? It's like, is this the more good? followers, the yeah. worse it is. Yeah. And I think you just need to plan it out. You know, you got to yeah. plan out your posts. You have to um, plan out your next drops of your products and how you want it to look. And as long as everything's planned out, then it's okay. But I think that's really important to not just, you know, day of all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to post this picture. And, you know, it's like, let's get a plan. Let's get a month out in advance on what you want your feed to look like. Right. That's good advice. Very good advice. It's kind of the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. That way you're not worried about it either. Right. Exactly. Batch, batch, batch. Mm-hmm. What's the good, bad and ugly of working with boutiques and retailers? Well, it's amazing to get into a retailer. That's a huge win. It's, you know, it's a dream. Yeah. How many times are you, you know, you start a brand and you're like, oh, my dream is to be in Neiman Marcus. And then all of a sudden Neiman Marcus calls and you're like, oh my God. But you just have to be really aware of how the the retailers work and not get too sucked into that sort of dream world. You, a lot of times a retailer has different terms. So for jewelry, a lot of times they want to take your brand on consignment, which means they're basically testing you out. They're not paying for your product. They're going to feature it. They'll launch it for you. And then if it sells, you'll get paid. But that means, you know, that you're producing product that you don't know is going to sell. And that's one issue. Another thing they could do is give you um, different terms, net 60 terms, um, even longer, maybe where, you know, your ship, you don't get paid for the product for 60 days. Mm-hmm. That's hard because you have to learn how to manage um, right. cash flow. And the hardest part, I think, is to make sure that you aren't sucked into sell through agreements uh, because as a young brand, that can really be hard if they're expecting you to get to a 65% sell through and you don't get there and then they ship your product back. Right. So that's the hardest part with a retailer is you just need to not be so um, googly eyed over the order and, you know, Mm -hmm. so excited. You have to really look at it and say, can I actually make this product? Do I have enough product um, to test it out? Does it make sense for me? Will I have the cash flow? Um, and if you don't, then it's not the right time to do it. Because if you do it too quickly and you go in there and you don't sell it right away, they won't give you another chance. So you really have to you know, be okay with saying, thank you so much for the order, but we just can't do that. Yeah, that's tough. But that's like tough love. That's so important. I'm glad you brought that up. Like I've had retailers reach out to me and they want to do consignment and I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm too mm-hmm. nail, even though they've, they're yeah. in some big retailers, but it's like, I, I just can't do that. It would right it would kill my business. Exactly. It would be, it's hard to say no, thank you, but you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. It's really important advice to those of you who are listening that are starting a brand. Yes. And I think as an entrepreneurs, we need to eliminate, like, if only I could blank, then I will have made it. Then I will be making all the money. Like there is not one thing that is going to do that. So yeah, that's one thing. And then Mm -hmm. retailers and everything that you get really excited about, just take time to think through. We really want that retail, that to be a relationship and not just yes, yes, yes. You know, all that, like you were saying, you have to make sure it's going to work on your end and you really need to feel comfortable speaking up to say, okay, maybe I cannot do that. And this is why, but let's find a solution. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Speak up for yourself. 
Yeah, right. you have to speak up for yourself and you get your one shot with a retailer, I say. I know it's really hard though. It's really up. hard. When it's your one shot and you want to just say no, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> but if they are asking you and giving you a shot, they will keep you. They're not just, you know, the worst thing yes. you can do is go into it when you feel nervous about it and you maybe can't do it. And then you sort of blow it or the product doesn't sell because right. it's not going to give you another chance. Whereas if you delay it, right. they'll probably still bring you on later and then you right. can be successful and yes. continue the relationship and grow with them. Great idea. So walk us through the process of designing new pieces and how long does it take? Designing new pieces is so fun. I'm actually in the process of designing for fall Ooh. 2021. So it takes a very long time because, you know, I'll get an idea and I will sketch and I will find colors and different stones and then to actually create the prototype or the sample is a couple months. And then a lot of times you're, you're kind of moved on from it and you're like, Oh, I didn't like that as much. Or, Oh, I like this. So it takes a very long time to see it through. And then of course you have to go into production and then production takes a long time. So it takes about six months. So you really have to be in front of when you want to drop your new products and the schedules you want. Do you want to be a brand that follows the true fashion calendar and does four times a year? Or do you want to mm -hmm. like, I want to do just sort of fun drops because I find that the customer is constantly wanting newness. And mm -hmm. so I'd rather do small sort of product drops, mm -hmm. see what is working and what isn't rather mm -hmm. than you know, huge sort of launches. Right. And it's so important to know, you have to know your customer so well to know what's right for them, not what's right for the retailer, not what's right for press. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your exactly. main, most important thing is, is your customer. And I think it's also very important. There are some products that you think will be your hero products mm -hmm. and they right away, maybe they don't sell. You know, I found myself a lot of times being like, but this is the most beautiful thing. How can people right. not like it? Right. right. <laughs> and sometimes it, maybe it'll take a little bit longer and sell later mm -hmm. and people just haven't discovered it or your customer hasn't discovered it. And maybe it's just not something that's going to sell. And you have to say, right. okay, well, let's see, maybe that color could sell. And if I did it in this way, but right. it takes a long time to kind of figure out what's going to work for you. And to also back up as a uh, emotional designer, yeah. you say like, I don't think people liked that. Yes. I think that's such like, look at it from a little bit of a distance and say, okay, well, I love that. They should love it, but it's not resonating and that's fine. There's some reason and I'm going to figure out how to make it in a different way. And, and sometimes also things that you do by accident end up being big sellers too, I would think. Oh, yeah. So it's really a fascinating, it's fascinating to me what resonates with people. And that's when data comes in and it doesn't really, it, you know, the data will be behind it and everything. And it's not true. It has to just, you know, people just have unique little something sparks something in someone that, you know, so many times I'm like, oh, that's not the one I thought you would have picked, but that's great. You know? Yeah, Let's exactly. Talk about, talk about the colors. How do you pick the colors? Um, so all the colors are inspired by my travels. Mm -hmm. So I picked colors that you can see on the site. They're named after places that I've traveled to or want to go. Um, Harbor Island pink from the pink mm -hmm. sands in Harbor Island. Maldives blue. I haven't been there, but I imagine mm -hmm. the blue colors. That right. um, I love fun, beautiful colors. And mm -hmm. I think that makes for the best jewelry. It brings out your eyes. It brings out mm -hmm. your features. That is always my inspiration, the travels. Neat. Wonderful. Can't wait to travel again. I know. And do you design the pieces? Are you sketching? Did you hire a jewelry designer or production? Talk to us about finding all of that. So I'm not a true designer, so to speak, where it's like I'm not sitting and 
sketching all day. And, but mm-hmm. I find inspiration from stones and colors. And then I work with somebody and we sketch it together. So I'll mm-hmm. say like, okay, I'm thinking in my head, I have this amazing ring and it's this color and it is this shape. And then we'll do it as a team. Right. Uh, and develop it. They kind of do the technical part of it. Exactly. Yes. Right. And then we take that into production. And because I'm a startup, I do all the production, which is also very new to me and extremely hard. <laughs> what does that even mean? What do you mean you do the production? So I, we will develop the product um, right. and then we take it into production. So I have to figure out, you know, how many units am I going to buy? Are there oh, okay. minimums? Great. Sure. And sure. Then, facilitate sort of all of the production and timelines and Got it. Got maybe it. we develop something and I have several factories. I don't just have one factory. Right. So getting the right price and the best quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long process to do that. Was it? But that's what, oh, what were you going to say? Mom? Oh, I was just, is that what you did in your other, when you worked at Valentino, for example? No, I didn't do any. So this is a new thing. Yes. This okay. is a, new thing that you just have to sort of figure out as a founder. That's right. You do. You just figure it out. Well, to me, it's like I use my resources for my press. Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. use it for production. You kind of have to pick and choose where you're going to use your resources. Makes To me, that was really important. So I used my press, but that meant that I would have to learn production. That meant I would have to learn D to C sales and, you know, website and things that I had no idea about. And I'm still learning because if, you know, it's not like you're going to read one article and you're a master. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But like right now, the resources go to press and you're doing the production. And later when you are more established and more well-known, then the money can go to production. Exactly. Yeah. And resources, you mean finances, right? Finances, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, so you've been figuring it out through Google, people you know, things like that, reading. Mm-hmm. Reaching out to people on LinkedIn. For me, the way I learn is from talking to people. Right. So as many people that I can talk to and learn from is the best way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for other people, maybe it's reading and, you know, you just have to find how you receive information best. And when you reach out to somebody on LinkedIn, you send them a message and, or, or an email and they respond, hopefully, and you go from there. Yeah. Hi, I'm Reedy, founder of Short yeah. and Sweet. P.S. I'm really nice. You should oh, talk funny. to me. <laughs> <laughs> I found I that the best um, way for somebody to open your email is uh-huh. to, to write in the subject line, you explanation point. Oh, how funny. That is so <laughs> cute. It's just so funny. The things you do. I know. That's so cute. That's really cute. <laughs> Um, I love that. Okay. Is there a component to your brand that gives back? Yes. So I launched March 24th. So Mm -hmm. it was two weeks into lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew right away Mm -hmm. that I had to be bigger than just a brand, a jewelry brand. Mm -hmm. So I started a sweet giving program. So monthly we do a give back, whether it's, you know, funding or, product-based, but that's an ongoing Mm -hmm. monthly give back. And that is extremely important to me and my brand and my customer um, to know that I'm about something, I stand for something, my values, Mm -hmm. because when somebody buys your brand, they're not just buying. To me, if you're wearing my jewelry, it's like, we're we're a community. We're about something. We, you know, certain things matter and And so I want my customer to feel connected in that way. I think that's great. That goes along with your personality too, just spreading the love. Thank you. Oh, and besides travel, any other places where you get inspiration for the pieces? 
I mean, the other day I was having dinner with my mom and the China that she was using, I loved the colors. And I sent pictures to my factory. Do you have any colors in this colorway? I feel like I get randomly inspired or I see something or, mm-hmm. you know, I keep going back to walks because I've just done so many walks in, All right. during this time. And it's so nice to just, I don't walk with any music or anything. I just mm-hmm. walk. And I just look around and nature and, you know, you'd be surprised when you just let your mind be clear what inspires you and Mm -hmm. what you're randomly drawn to. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I love that. I love that too, very much. Um, It kind of goes, ties back to the name too, of just like, once you don't have any pressure, all of a sudden things come to you. Right. It's like, oh, no, I'm designing for fall. What's the color way? You know, I always remember at places that I would consult Mm -hmm. for, it was very strict. Like, these are the Pantone colors. Here's what we're going to do. And I thought that was really limiting to the creative process. And I Mm -hmm. think to just be open and, you know, maybe you think it's going to be green, but then it's blue or, you know, whatever. Whatever happens, you just have to follow what works for you. Right. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm learning. I'm learning to let things go as well. It's very freeing. (laughs) It's really freeing. It is. It really is. Um, Okay. I wanted to, we've already talked about code. What I wanted to talk about in the end, I'm going to ask you where people can find you, but I want to talk about the process of like, what was the process like for you? getting into a place like Intermix? I knew the buyer from my consulting days. Oh, that's great. And so I didn't approach her right away. I approached her when I had some following and I had Uh some sales because when you enter a retailer, you want to make sure that you have some brand awareness behind you because you can get lost really quickly and you want to make sure that in the first two to four weeks, you're selling fairly well. And of course the retailer will, you know, feature you and do some things here and there to help you with sales. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, if you, you know, don't have a following and people that, you know, Mm -hmm. will sort of be loyal and buy from Intermix and you're not promoting on your social feeds and doing your newsletters, then, you know, it's not the right keep you. So you have to really make sure that one, going back to the retailer, it's the right retailer for you. So when Mm -hmm. I went into Intermix, I was like, this is my customer. She's a brand. It's going to do well. And then number two, I was like, any press that I get um, should go to Intermix. So if I'm featured in Vogue or whatever, it should say you can find it on Intermix. Mm Mm-hmm. And just making sure that your newsletters, you know, you're promoting so that your customer goes and buys. That's great. I feel like what you said about, so you had a connection there. Yes. And the advice there is you might have a connection or a friend even, but don't ask them to do something just because of their connection to you. Really go to them when you have something that's ready to go and that is worthy and a good fit for their store, whatever the, you know, it's, it's still a business. Exactly. Doing right. And again, it's going back to that sort of one shot. It's like, you don't want to use your connections until you think you're ready for it. So you don't want to just right away. You launch short and sweet March 24th and the 25th, you're using all of the connections. It's like, let's see, actually, what works, what doesn't, what's selling really well, what could sell well for them and, you know, present it in a thoughtful way and, and be, you know, great and do well. Your launch plan probably changed dramatically. How did you pivot during COVID? Well, I think it's important that when you launch your brand, you have your friends and family right away that will support you. So you have, you know, your one, I call them one-time buys. Okay. It's like all of your people are going to come. They're going to support you. They're going to love you. 
you launch, you get some sales and then they go away and it's like, okay, well, let's get some real customers here. Let's mm-hmm. try and figure this out. Obviously I launched during an incredibly difficult time, but I figured I'd rather be live and up and make a sale one day rather than no sales at all. Mm-hmm. So I started, I got that initial support from the friends and family. And then one day at a time, it was like, how can I reach out to people on Instagram? How can I send out an email? How can I do what I can to get the direct to consumer sales to just stay alive? Mm-hmm. And then once I started to get a few loyal customers from there, then I opened up to um, the retailers and the boutiques, but it was definitely just one day at a time had to really focus and, um, you know, really bring in that luxury side of fashion that I learned the customer service, mm-hmm. and reach out to people and make sure people love the product that they would come back that um, maybe we could recommend it to a friend, you know, and then sending some gifting out so people could see it. But it was also just being really relaxed and sort of like, this is a hard time. Let's just, if we get sales, that's a win, but let's not expect that. I love that so much. And we invite everyone to check out Reedy's website. The pieces are so fun and lighthearted and fabulous. I love how mom's clients react when she, it's, she kind of brings like this whole tray with with your beautiful pieces. Unfortunately, I haven't really gotten to be super social wearing them yet. So I haven't gotten to experience what that's going to be like. Oh, you <laughs> will. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get now. Get me out of here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What can we expect from you in the future? More classifications or categories? So we are doing a pop-up with Veronica Beard. <gasps> we will Such be sold. Match. I know. You know, what's funny is um, when I got engaged in October, I was wearing a Veronica Beard dress with all of my Uh shirts. Oh, how fun. So when um, the opportunity came to partner, I was like, oh, my gosh, you guys, this is magic. You don't know what happened. Everyone was like, "Okay, Reedy, calm down. (laughs) How funny. I do the same thing. People are like, fuck Delia. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see this? Yeah. I know, I'm like, it's the universe. Um, so we're doing a pop-up with them in their Melrose store um, in February. So it'll be start- there starting February 8th. And then in their San Francisco store, we have partnered with the Beverly Hills Hotel and we will be doing a partnership with them this year. So that's really exciting. That's so cool. I'm so excited about that. And then, you know, just continuing on and continuing to build and grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And do you want to talk a little bit more about the special Beverly Hills pieces you're designing? Um, yeah. So we don't have a date yet for the launch with everything going on, but mm-hmm. we will be doing a collab, which is it will be most likely um pieces based off of the iconic people that have stayed there that's so cool that's so much fun it's so fun i'm so excited yes yes it's so fun to design i bet yeah i bet and then reedy just for a hot minute do you want to talk a little bit about paris or milan fashion week from your wholesale days give oh my gosh audience some insight into what that magical world is like i know As we know, in sales, you have market weeks. So you have a week where every retailer, every boutique will come in and look at your product and decide they like this, they like that, what works for their store. And then you help them with a buy and you help them um, sort of curate what will work. And so for... Valentino for Brock and for a lot of brands that I worked for, you go to Paris and Milan and you show the collections there and it is a whirlwind. It's amazing and the most fun, but it is so 
so much work. Right. Wake up so early and you're in the showroom all day and you're selling your beautiful clothes and collections. And then you take, you know, the retailers or the clients out to dinner. Um, It's such a whirlwind dream, lots of work, but it's amazing. And you wake up and you're like, what? I'm in Paris. I'm in Milan. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) But it's, it's, um, it's definitely, it's, it's a lot of work, uh, a lot of fun, but a lot of work. Work hard, play hard. We exactly. 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 Where can people find you? Um, you can find me at www.shortandsweet.com. You can also find me on Instagram at short underscore and sweet. And then you can find me on TikTok now. I've started a TikTok. Wow. <laughs> Hello. Look at you. I mean, everybody is saying I got to get on there and, and start doing yeah. some stuff. I, sure. We'll see, you guys. We'll see. <laughs> I know. I was reading yesterday. I wanted to talk to mom about this TikTok. And, like, they're doing this whole thing with Fashion Week. And last season, it was really successful. And they're excited to see what happens this fashion month. So I wanted to talk to mom to get her opinion. Yeah, that'll be interesting because so far, there's not really anything planned for Fashion Month. I mean, there's some digital things. but Okay. okay. We're in Sweet. Sweet is S-U-I-T-E, like a hotel. Not sweet as in, like, sweets. Make sure to use code THESTYLE, which is one word, T-H-E-S-T-Y-L-E, all caps, on the Short and Sweet website for 15% off your purchase. Yes. Okay, thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday, with the exception of the third Thursday of the month, for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.